New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. This is Ben Curtis, campus pastor at New Vision Buchanan. We want to thank you for joining us as we continue our reading plan and podcast through the life of Joseph. Today I'm going to be reading from Genesis 44, verses 1 through 17. I'll be reading from the New International Version. Now Joseph gave these instructions to the steward of his house. Fill the men's sacks with as much food as they can carry and put each man's silver in the mouth of his sack. Then put my cup, the silver one, in the mouth of the youngest one's sack, along with the silver for his grain. And he did, as Joseph said. As morning dawned, the men were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, Go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination, this is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up with them, he repeated these words to them. But they said to him, Why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the silver we found inside the mouths of our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Very well then, he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. Then the steward proceeded to search, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. At this they tore their clothes, Then they all loaded their donkeys and returned to the city. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now my Lord's slaves, we ourselves, and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, Far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who is found who is found to have the cup will become my slave. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. So leading up to this chapter, there were already some very tense moments in Genesis chapter 43. We ended that chapter, though, with a feast. You know, I could only imagine as Joseph's brothers sat down for this meal and they probably let out a sigh of relief. They felt like they were out of the woods, so to speak. But then all of a sudden, as they're seated, they realize something a little bit eerie. They've actually been seated by the order of their birth. And, you know, the hairs on the back of their necks must have stood up. What is going on? And then, to their amazement, they see their youngest brother, Benjamin, who also happened to be Joseph's full brother. He received five times as much food as everyone else. Surely all this, though, is just a big coincidence, right? 
And as we move into this chapter, God is using Joseph throughout these chapters as an instrument of conviction in their lives. The way Joseph does this is very clever. Joseph is recreating the exact same situation that happened years earlier to him. So you have the youngest son of Jacob and Rachel is shown favoritism, and now Joseph wants to see if his brothers have changed. Will they betray Benjamin like they did Joseph, or will they put their lives on the line to save him? Before the brothers leave for home, so here's the plot. Joseph comes up with this plan to test them. Uh, he, He tells the steward of his house to fill up their sacks with all the food they can carry and put their silver in their sacks. Uh, Then he wanted them, the the steward, to go even beyond that and put his own silver cup in the mouth of the youngest one's sack so that it would look like Benjamin had stolen from him along with the silver for his grain. So the steward does all this. He follows Joseph's instructions. Morning comes. The men haven't been on the road very long. Joseph then says to his steward, okay, now go after them. And when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid good for evil? You have the cup my master drinks and he uses for divination. This is a wicked thing that you've done. So the steward does exactly as Joseph says. When he catches up with them, he says what he's ordered to say. And they answered, we would never do anything like that. They can't imagine. I mean, after all, we brought back the silver that we found in our sacks from from the first time. So why in the world would we then turn around and steal silver or gold from your master now? And so the brothers say, tell you what, we're so sure of ourselves. If you find the cup on any one of us, that person will die and the rest of us will become your master's slaves. The steward agrees. And so they all toss their sacks to the ground. They all open them up and the steward searches them, beginning with the oldest. It must have been very suspenseful, working his way all the way to the youngest. And sure enough, there it is in Benjamin's sack. And right away, they're so upset. They're so grief-stricken. They, they tear their clothes. This is a sign of mourning. They, they load up their donkeys and begin heading back to Joseph's house because they know that their fate is sealed. And as soon as they get there, they, they basically just plead for mercy. They throw themselves to the ground, in front of Joseph. Joseph says, what have you done? You know, don't you realize a man like me can find out what you've done by divination? And something interesting happens here. Rather than throwing Benjamin under the bus, uh, Judah takes responsibility. And I think this phrase is very important. Notice he says, God has uncovered your servant's guilt. In a nutshell, that's really the whole point of Joseph's interaction with his brothers, to uncover their guilt, to uh, make them face up to what they had done. And you get the feeling as Judah says that, that he's talking now about more than just the cup, right? He's talking maybe even about what he and the other brothers did to Joseph years ago. God has uncovered your servant's guilt. Our sin is starting to catch up with us. But, but Joseph says, far be it for me to do such a thing. Only the one who had the cup will become my slave. The rest of you, go on back to your father, go in peace. So he gives Judah another opportunity to throw Benjamin under the bus. But something has changed this time. And you see Judah taking responsibility. He refuses to do that. And we're going to read more about the conclusion of the story the next time. But, you know, as we Pause here as we stop here for today. I want you to just imagine what it must have been like for Judah and his brothers. Imagine their thought process. Imagine what was going on in their minds. They're looking at each other and they're like, what does this guy want from us? 
Why is this happening? When is this all going to stop? We gave him our silver, you know, to buy food. We left Simeon with him as a prisoner. Then we went back home and we came back just as he told us and brought Benjamin uh, with us. We, we brought back gifts, almonds, honey, the best the land has to offer. We brought to him. We've bowed before this guy now. By this point, they've bowed four times thus far. So again, remember Joseph's dream. Um, and it's happening. It's happened four times that his brothers have bowed down to him. But you know, even after all that, it just doesn't seem like this isn't what Joseph's after. He doesn't want any of that. So what is it? What What do you want, Joseph? And maybe you felt that way. Have you ever asked those same questions? Maybe like Judah and his brothers, you've asked yourself, why is this happening to me? When is this going to stop? You know, what, God, what do you want? What does Jesus want for me? And like Joseph's brothers, maybe your past has caught up with you and, and, and just everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, you're reminded of your sin. What do you want from me, God? The answer for Judah and for his brothers was very simple. Joseph wanted the brothers to give themselves to him. At the end of chapter 44, and this is part of the, this long process of reconciliation that we're seeing unfold, but at the end of chapter 44, we're actually going to see Judah offer himself to Joseph. And this is where it gets really good because it's not until Judah does that, it's not until he finally offers himself to Joseph in chapter 44 that Joseph then reveals himself to Judah and to the rest of the brothers in chapter 45. And as we think about our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, the answer for you and for me is the same. In many ways, you see, Joseph is a, a type for Jesus. Joseph is a foreshadowing of Jesus. To put it another way, Jesus is the greater and ultimate Joseph. He doesn't crave your money. He doesn't need your worship. He doesn't want to imprison you and make your life miserable. He doesn't need your gifts. He doesn't need your sacrifices. So we're kind of left asking the same thing. Well, then, Jesus, what do you want? God, what do you want? And the answer is simple. He wants you to give yourself to him. He wants surrender. He wants all of you. He wants everything, everything you are. He wants your life. The moment that you make that commitment, this is the cool part, the moment that that switch flips in your head and in your heart to give all of yourself to Jesus, here's what happens. Just as Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, that's the moment that Jesus reveals himself to you. So, you know, as you think about your own life, if there is any part of you that has not surrendered, or maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus uh, from the beginning, my encouragement to you is do it. What reason do you have not to do? You have all the blessings awaiting you on the other side. There, If you're not a believer yet, there is eternal life that is promised to you. So what are you waiting for? I would encourage you to pray to him even now and give yourself, all of yourself to him. Do it. And like Judah and his brothers, if you do it, your life will never be the same. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow for the second half of Genesis 44 as Dixie Lovett walks us through verses 18 through 34. And as we, uh, we continue on through the day, let me just say this uh, prayer over you. This is from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 
See you next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.